this weekend, it's going to be awesome. We have a very dear friend of Northridge Church here. He's a man that's passionate and committed to the transforming power of God's Word. And, and when he preaches, I'm just telling you, we all have something to learn. He, he cares about the inner city. He came to Detroit to start the Citadel of Faith Covenant Church, and, and he's literally been used to impact so many people's lives. They, they do social services and community rebuilding, and I'm so glad he said yes again this summer to teach here at Northridge. Would you give a passionate and warm Northridge welcome to our friend, Harvey Carey? Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus a hand of praise? He's the one that really deserves it. Amen. Amen. Well, it is, it is such an honor, such a joy, privilege to really be back here. I, I don't consider coming to Northridge uh, anymore as a visitor. I really kind of feel like I'm part of the family here. So it is just an honor to be back here this summer. I really believe that the message today, you know, uh, when Brad kind of taps us uh, early in the year and a invites us to come uh, and speak during this summer series, he uh, kind of opens up with this question, what has, God been, uh, what has God been speaking to your heart about? What is it that is resonating in your life and the rhythms of, of your spiritual life? And so uh, the subject today is something very near and dear to my heart, uh, something that I really feel is not going to be something that only has blessed me, but I really feel as though it's going to really bless a lot of people for where we are in the journey. So as we approach uh, today's message, I feel like we need to pray again to ask God to speak to our hearts that he, we would be open and receptive to hear from him. So can we bow our heads together in prayer? God, we love you and we thank you so much for the worship that has been lifted to your name, that our voices have uh, ascend it to your throne together to exclaim uh, how great you are. But we thank you now for the opportunity that we have to hear your word, that it would, God, speak to us, that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, that, Holy Spirit, you would be the teacher. If you don't speak, God, we will not be able to hear. So we trust you, Holy Spirit, to do the work that only you can do. Uh, we open our ears to hear. Uh, we are receptive to your voice. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And all that believed it said amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, uh, just a couple of verses, uh, verses 24 through 26. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, reading from the New International Version. And it reads like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can one anyone give in exchange for their soul. Verse 26 again. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
Uh, for all of you antisocial people, you're going to just kind of be uncomfortable in this next second. Uh, I'm going to ask that we turn to someone next to us, near us, and ask them a question. So this is always a challenge because people don't know which way to turn and, and all of that stuff. So just figure it out, all right? Uh, turn to someone near you and ask them this question, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Some of y'all still aren't turning. Turn to somebody and say, neighbor, are you caring for your soul? Amen. You did a good job. Are you, are you caring for your soul? I want to talk from the subject, the unforgettable soul. Most of us spend time attending to those things that are important to us. Indeed, we can almost tell the value of something by how much time we spend tending to it. The level of importance of thing that uh, is to us will often determine the amount of energy, the amount of resource, uh, the amount of care that we will uh, give towards that thing. I never forget my daughter who's now 23 and she's on the East Coast and uh, never forget when she was first born how we spent so much intentional care, making sure that everything was right when we brought her back home. I had to make sure that the nursery was exactly correct. And I never forget my wife had all of those little things in all of the outlets throughout the entire house. I'm like, she can't even move yet. But you know, my wife was just concerned, wanting to make sure that there was nothing that would cause any harm or danger to our precious newborn. We wanted to care for our daughter because she was important to us. I can always tell when someone gets a new vehicle, uh, especially at the mall, uh, they don't want to park next to any other car. Uh, with the, you know, they don't want to have the potential of someone hitting or dinging their car. So you find them parked all the way at the edge of the mall somewhere, just ensuring that their vehicle is not going to get scratched. They will make sure that there's a tune-up, an oil change, because this is getting you from point A to point B, and you want to make sure you've got reliable transportation. So you never miss those maintenance checkups, because it's important to maintain that vehicle that is important to you. I can always tell when people are careful of their health, and, and I'm really grateful for this new era that we're in. It should be an era that we always have been in, to be mindful of the things that we're eating and mindful of our calories and caloric intake and mindful of how many vegetables we're having. And some people go all the way, and they're gluten-free and vegan and all of that stuff. And I remember growing up in the hood, we had grease, and then we had a side of grease with the grease. And so it's grateful, it's good to see progress with our health. And we can see when people are very intentional with running and exercising and caring for their body because their body is important to them. The list could go on and on and on about things that each and every one of us in different measures and different uh, forms we, we, we give attention to because we value those things. But I believe that many times it's, it's difficult to value the things that we cannot see. We value the things that we can see, that we can tangibly uh, get a hold of, because when we invest in those things, we can see the return. If I do this, I can see that. If I invest here in this thing that I can see, I can see the return for the thing that I've invested in. But when it comes to the unseen things, the things that are not visible with the natural eye, sometimes it's very difficult to be as intentional about building up those things. The soul is one of those things. The soul is this invisible part of us that is indeed us. The soul is the part of us that we cannot see, we cannot handle physically, we cannot touch, we cannot identify it, but we know that it exists because we are alive because of it. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that when God created or shaped man, he formed him of the dust. And out of all of the creation, he did something very uniquely different with man than he did with any other part of his creation. With all of the animals, God spoke, and by the power of his words, those things came to life. Things that had never existed, they came into existence because the power of God's word was so uh, anointed and so powerful that they literally came to life. So the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and the beasts of the field, all the creeping things, those things became alive just by his word. But when he came to us, he did something unique. The Bible says in Genesis, he shaped man, he formed man, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says, and then man became a living soul. When God breathed his very life and his very nature into this form of man, man became a living soul, different from that of the animal kingdom, different because now we've got, in a sense, the nature of God. We're able to reason. We're able to, uh, to choose. We're able to make decisions that are not just basically instinctual. Most animals only are able to operate by their instinct. We can override instinct and do things that are not even instinctual if it's for a greater good. We can lay down our own life and will to self-preserve if it's for a greater cause because we've got the ability to have free choice. Mankind has been given this soul, this, this, this part of us that r- resembles the nature of the God who breathed into us. But if this part of us is so important and so significant, why is it that we often forget it? How is it that something so key and something so paramount to our life, we are often very much neglecting of it? I believe it's not because we want to, but I believe that we just don't know how to care for it. In this chapter, uh, we're looking at a conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles. Uh, These followers of Christ are gathered with him, and he's asking them some questions a few verses earlier. He asked them, who are people saying that I am? Who who do they say the Son of Man uh, is? What's what's the reputation that I have out in the community? They said, well, some say that you're Elijah or one of the prophets that have returned. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Uh, You're you're a great man. That's really the the word about town is that, Jesus, you're you're a good man. You're, you're, You're a good man. He said, well, who do you say that I am? Peter, who oftentimes uh, would become the self-appointed spokesman for the apostles, uh, in this instance doesn't speak uh, out of his own uh, kind of wisdom or his own thinking, but he says something so profound that Jesus makes note of it. When Jesus asks, well, who do you say that I am? Uh, Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus immediately responded, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. What you just said, the statement you just made, it was impossible for you to come up with this on your own. The Spirit of God gave this truth to you. And then he said, Jesus said, and upon this rock, upon this truth, I will build my church. And the gates and the authority of hell will not have the power to prevail against it. He said, Peter, you've said something so profound that it is from the Spirit of God, and this truth is so electrifying that I'm going to build my church on this truth, that literally I am the Christ. I am the fulfillment of God's promise. You got it right. A few verses later, Jesus goes on to share with them what's getting ready to happen. He said, I must go to Jerusalem. When I get there, I will be persecuted. I will be ultimately murdered. I'll be killed. And then on the third day, I will rise up again. 
The same Peter who a few moments earlier had heard from God immediately said to Jesus, no, that will not happen. You will not suffer. You will not die. And immediately the same one who had heard from God so clearly in one moment, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Not calling Peter Satan, but saying the thing that you're saying is not motivated by the spirit. But he said it's, it's motivated by human desire, human perspective. He said, suffering often is a part of the journey. Peter did not want to hear that. He wanted to hear the, the great, you know, you're going to be the king and you're going to uh, triumph, but surely you're not going to suffer. And so he then ends up having this conversation that we find ourselves in this text hearing. Verse 24, then, after all of these things I just shared with you, then he said to his disciples, whoever wants to be a follower of mine or disciple must do first this, deny themselves. The first thing he says and caring for your soul and being on a journey for, uh, to, to remembering soul care is choosing to deny selfish motive, self-centered thinking, and a selfish life. Most all of us, without wanting to, without being intentional, without maybe even knowing that we do it, we really kind of live a me, myself, and I existence. Is it good for me? Does it feel good to me? Is it comfortable for me? Is this going to work out for me? Me, 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 me. And he said the first thing we do in being a follower of Christ and learning how to get our soul in alignment is choosing, listen, making a decision to deny ourselves. Well, how do I deny myself? He says, pick up your cross and follow me. You can't pick up the same cross that he had, but all of us have been given something to carry, some part of us that daily reminds us that we need him, daily reminds us of a struggle, daily reminds us that we indeed are frail, broken, in a sinful world. Pick up your cross and follow after me. Deny, deny, deny. This is not something that we really often want to hear. Uh, Harvey, I didn't leave home to hear a message about denying myself. That's not a fun message. But indeed, if your soul is to be strong and your soul is to be fortified and your soul is to be all that God wants it to be, the journey to that strength, the journey to that place is start starting out making a conscious decision to deny, to pick up your cross, to follow him. The next verse he says in verse 25, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. He says those who, who believe that by holding on to their, to their life, holding on to their way of doing things, holding on to the security of what they're familiar with, those who hold on or save their life, guess what they'll do? They'll lose it. And those who give their life away or lose their life for me, they'll be the ones that find it. Uh, growing up and uh, pastoring even in the inner city now, I meet a lot of people that are in financial distress, financial uh, difficulties. Many of you are here in situations that are very difficult financially. And so many times I'll have people tell me, Pastor, I'm on a fixed income. Uh, there's only so much I can do. I'm on a fixed income. And I often will tell people, very mindful of the severity of, of what they're saying, but, but listen, if you're on a fixed income, if you keep your mind set the way it is, your fixed income will always be fixed. Because if you listen, if you live your life like this, true enough, nothing, nothing's going to be lost. Nothing's going to uh, 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 get away from you. You're going to be able to hold on to what you've got. Yes, I've got this. I've got it. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to mishandle it. It's not going to be 
you know, squandered, but guess what? Nothing else can get in. Not only are you not able to, you know, have anything be lost, but you're not able to even receive because you're living like this. And many of us are living our lives like this. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. Someone has hurt your feelings, hurt you uh, because of they've mis- mis- you've kind of caused mistrust. And so now what do you do? You live your life like this. Many times because you've been hurt by churches, you say, well, I love God, but I don't love church. And so I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to live my life like that. I want to live it like this. And he said, if you lose, if you live your life like this, you lose your life. And so many of us, our souls are empty because we're living our life like this. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been bruised so much that you choose to protect. You choose to keep. And your soul dies daily because it does not have the ability to express the love of God as it is intended to do. He said, if you want to actually gain your life, you got to first lose it. Um, I, I, I wonder um, how many people wonder, Harvey, where do you get this energy from? And, I, and it's always interesting when people say, you know, uh, I, I just wanted to make sure I got here today because I knew Harvey's going to be energetic. And if there's anything I can count on, it's Harvey being energetic. And, and so where does this energy come from, Harvey? Does it come from uh, just your natural temperament? Does it come from your personality alone? No. I believe that God has made me kind of an outgoing personality, but that's not the core of what you see. The core of what you see is a soul that has been transformed, a soul that has been changed. And what is on the inside is showing up on the outside. What is on the inside is reflecting on the outside. And what's sad is that for many of us, unfortunately, what is on the inside is reflecting on the outside. Uh, Can you imagine someone saying, follow me as I follow Christ? I don't want to be near that person. I don't want to be around. I mean, there's no way in the world that by their demeanor, their, their attitude, that I want to follow them. Have you ever met people that are lost? Have you ever met anybody going to hell? They're the most exciting people you ever want to meet in your life. People that are lost and on their way to hell, go to a nightclub. You will find the most exciting. Hey, hey, loud, loud, excited about going to hell, loud. Have you been to church? And these are the ones who are supposed to be the redeemed of the Lord. These are the ones who are supposed to house the very presence of God. But yet we've got to go to a bar, a nightclub, a sporting venue, some kind of a music venue for, to find excitement. Listen, you all, I'm not excited because it's a personality deal. I'm excited because I think about God. I, wa- I worship him because of who he is. And when I think about what he's done for me, I cannot help but give him glory and honor and praise because he's worthy. Amen. But the condition of our soul is so important to be able to do that. How do I get to the point that I'm able to do that? What do I have to do to be able to transform my negative thinking, my self-centeredness, my my kind of overwhelmedness? How do I get rid of that junk so that my soul is able to not be forgotten and I'm able to give God all that he wants? He asks a question in verse 26, what good will it be 
for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul. What does it matter to gain everything that you've ever dreamed that you wanted? And at the end of your journey, at the end of this life, you still find yourself empty. You finally reach your career goal, but empty. You finally got your relational kind of deal together and you're still empty. You've, you've been able to kind of check this box and check that box, done, done, done. But when it comes to joy, there's an undone. When it comes to peace, there's an undone. When it comes to having some kind of a feeling as though your life has mission and purpose, undone. What does it then profit you to gain everything that you've gained and to God be the glory for the things that we have attained? But what does it mean to have all of that, but at the end of it to have forfeited or lost your soul? You all, it takes courage to care for your soul. It takes courage to decide to care for the part of you you can't even see. I'm, I'm black and I've been black a long time. I mean, as long as I can remember, I've been black. All right. And, um, and, and so last year, I did something that was really unique. Um, I decided to go on sabbatical, take uh, nine months uh, away from my day-to-day -day uh, kind of duties and responsibilities at my local church and spend some time focusing on health and healing and my soul. And uh, it, it kind of began in some conversations uh, with some guys in Chicago in South Barrington at a church called Willow Creek. Uh, I would go to preach there often, and their staff would pick me up uh, every time I went to preach. And they would uh, get me in the car, and each time I went, each one of the staff members would all talk about the same subject. And I was starting to get a little curious. At first, I was a little nervous, but I got curious. Uh, every time I got in the car, I would sit in the car, and they would start saying, Hey, Harvey, good to see you, man. Uh, man, I just had a great therapy session. Now, you know, when you get in the car with somebody you don't really know, <laughs> last thing you want to have them tell you is that they've been in therapy. I'm like, okay, is it about, like, people or driving? Or, I mean, you know, I didn't know what the deal was. But, but, but the staff at this church had been given um, uh, permission and even salaried and, and resources to go through therapy. The people at Willow Creek were doing that. And Bill Hybels, the pastor, had gone through therapy. And I'm like, all these white people go through therapy. <laughs> and you all, and please, black people, don't write me no emails telling me, Harvey, please don't say that all black people uh, don't go through therapy because I'm black and I do. I'm, I'm talking about overall. Most people in the hood do not go through therapy. Most people in the hood, they say Jesus will fix it. They really do. And so when I decided to, to consider therapy, I went to some of my black uh, 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 colleagues, some of my pastor friends, and said, I'm considering going through therapy. Why? Because there's some stuff in me that I can't fix. And you all, here's the thing. Some of us are up against some stuff that we can't fix. And we need somebody else that is anointed by God and trained to walk us through some things we can't walk through on our own. My dad had abandoned me. I didn't know who my father was. And all through, I remember all through grammar school, watching TV, and everybody had a family. Everybody had a family. I mean, it was the Partridge family. It was the Waltons. It was eight is enough. I mean, everybody had a daddy. Even Sanford had a son. 
and I'm like, man, I, so I got these abandonment issues and I, and, and that caused some stuff. So regardless, listen, regardless of what I was on a stage or a platform, there are these other areas of my life that were fundamentally flawed and I did not know how to solve them. And I had to humble myself and walk myself into a place and decide even cross culturally to do something that did not make natural sense, but it made spiritual and soul sense. And to God be the glory. I'm on a journey. I ain't all there yet, but I'm so much better today than I was yesterday because I decided to care for my soul. Amen. There's nothing wrong with you that you can't fix everything. It's always interesting to me when Christian people say, well, well, no, I'm a child of God and I'm not going to go to doctors to do it because Jesus is my physician. Then what about them glasses on your face? If he's a physician, then what about the glasses you wear? You went to an optometrist to fix your flawed vision. So why not go to another somebody to help your flaw you? Tell the person next to you, something wrong with you. Tell them, tell them, tell them, something wrong with you. Tell them, something wrong with them. Something, 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 I don't know what it is, something. Something wrong. Something is wrong. Something. <laughs> Something is wrong. So, not everybody has to go through therapy. Not everybody has to do that. But what I'm saying is this. Listen, the point is this. Making a conscious decision to care for my soul was the greatest thing I could have ever done in my life. And you doing the same. Listen. For some of you, you're always caring for other people. You're always wanting to help other people, always wanting to be the shoulder that someone else can cry on. Whose shoulder are you crying on? Who are you going to? Who are you leaning on? Stop trying to be Superman and Superwoman and realize that even they had to get into the doggone telephone booth and take the cape off every now and then. You are not all of that. We need to care for our soul. Amen. Amen. Well, pastor, in the 17 minutes and 28 seconds that I have left, I want to talk about specific ways then that we can care for our soul. Uh, I'm always tickled when I preach uh, because most people are in churches where there's, you know, a, a point number one, point number two, point number three, some, and I never get those to y'all, so you never know where I am. You don't know, is he at the introduction? Is he, you just don't, I just love messing you up that way. So, so for those who like points, all right, here, here are some points that you can practically do to care for your soul and not forget your soul, all right? Here they are. First one is prayer. Prayer. You all, prayer is the communion or the communication of your soul with its creator. It is, is, it, is, it is the vehicle, the tool that God uses to allow us to connect with him. It's prayer. That is, the, that is the tool that we have been given, the, the resource that God has given to us to be able to take finite, broken us, connecting with infinite, unbroken God. Prayer does not need to be complicated. I grew up in the Baptist church, and um, you're not going to meet nobody that can pray better than a, a, a black Baptist person. Male, female, child, infant, it don't even matter. 
they just knew how to pray, man. And I used to listen to those guys pray, and they would get it. And they, Father, here we come once now and again. And we come asking for, uh, for thine divine intervention. If thou wilt. And so I always thought that praying meant I had to pray in the King James Version. So when I first got saved, guess what I started doing? Father, I cometh to thee. And I realized that, wait a minute, I don't have to have a certain kind of way to pray. People say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Here's my question. Do you know how to talk? If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. All prayer is is talking to God. And there's no specific way to talk to God. Can I tell you a secret? He already know what you're going to say. It's not that prayer is what God needs to have to get information. It's what God desires to have communication. God yearns for his children to talk to him. He yearns for communication. He yearns for some time. He yearns just to be with us. And it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter how it is. It simply has to be that it is. We've got to intentionally include prayer in our life. One of the, uh, uh, the, the verses of one of the songs that was sung is that when my knees hit the ground, I touch the sky. I love that song. It talks about when my knees touch the ground, that is when my soul touches the sky. It doesn't mean that you have to physically bow your knee. Sometimes you're not in a situation where you can do that. But it means that in your soul, in your spirit, you humble yourself. And you realize I'm not God and he is. Now listen, prayer does not always mean you always talking. Prayer is a communication, right? Sometimes it is making a request, making a petition, but a lot of times it's also taking moments to stop and to hear and to listen and to let God respond. Have you ever talked to somebody on the phone and they didn't even give you a chance to talk on the phone? Have you ever had anybody talk to you, hey girl, how you doing? Anyway, da 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 and you're like, hold on, good morning. Imagine how God feels. Uh, God, uh, thank you so much for uh, hearing my prayer. Hey, listen, I've got about 20 things we need to really take care of this week. He's like, well, can you just talk to me? Prayer is simply communication with God. How do we not forget our soul? We pray. And you can pray anywhere. You can pray all the time. Listen, you all, I, I, I encourage you, turn the radio off in the car sometime. Turn the radio off and just spend that time talking to God. That's all. It doesn't have to be anything deep. And you know what? And if you don't know what to say, say, I don't know what to say. Say, God, I, I, was, I was instructed this weekend to talk to you. I don't even know what to say. Could you tell me what to say? And, and if that is a genuine request of yours, he'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll instruct you. He just wants you to talk to him. So prayer is one way to not forget the soul. One way to fortify the soul is to pray. But secondly, you all, scripture reading. Scripture reading and scripture memorization. You all, the word of God is more than a book. The word of God is not just some book that has been written to enslave you, to, to keep you locked up and bound. It is literally God's word. It is God's ability and his success in communicating with humankind. The word of God has power. 
I don't know how it works. I just know that it works. I travel a lot, you all, and I'm aware. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, you know, my brain works okay for the most part. And I understand a little bit aerodynamics. And I know the whole idea of a plane reaching a certain velocity. And when it reaches a certain velocity, according to the shape of its wings, then the air will come under it and it will lift it. I understand how that happens in my head. I still don't understand how that happens. Because I know it's just a big old plane, and it, it, it ain't that much runway, and I'm up in the air. And then I go over oceans in this thing. I don't get it. All I know is that it works. So I take a boarding pass, I sit down, I eat some peanuts, and I do what I can't understand. I don't know how the word works. All I know is that God says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory even as that of the only begotten of the father. And when you know the word, you are able to have your soul fortified. When your soul is fortified, listen, not if, but when adversity comes, you're able to attack it with more than your opinion. You're able to attack it with more than your thoughts or more than your feelings. You're able to attack it with the Word of God. When you have the Word in you, there's no situation, there's no circumstance you will ever face that the Word of God does not have a solution for. When you have the Word in you, it will give you strength when you did not know you had strength. When you got the Word in you, it will give you perspective about things where you would not have had perspective on your own. That's why the Bible says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, y'all, can you imagine having big old headlights on your feet and then light on your path? Ain't no way in the world you're going to stumble in the darkness with big old headlights on your feet and light on your path. I need the word because I need to know where I'm going. Is there anybody that needs to know where you're going? You need the Word of God. When the Word of God is in you, it gives you a peace because you know that God will always do what he said he's going to do. Other people may not do it. Other people make promises and they break them. Other people make promises and they don't deliver. But the Word of God will always deliver. He said he watches over his Word to perform it. He says his Word does not return unto him void or empty, but it accomplishes what he purposes and what he pleases. Heavens and earth pass away, but my word will stand forever. I didn't say this at the earlier services. I'm saying it at this one because I like y'all. <laughs> but I, I just heard this from the Lord. And so there's, you, you, you ever heard the, the story about uh, Peter coming out of the boat, walking on the water? Yeah, we all heard that. And uh, I grew up in the Baptist church again. And I never, I mean, this was, if there's ever a sermon to preach in the Baptist church, it's the Peter walking on water sermon. Because they said, and Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water. Can't you see him? He's walking. He's doing the moonwalk. He's walking on the water. All right, all right. Then they say this, then they say this, but then he took his eyes off of Jesus. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. And when we take our eyes off Jesus, then we begin to sink. That ain't biblical. He was not walking by sight. 
He was walking by faith in the word of God. Peter said, Peter said, if it be you, if you are who you say you are, bid me to come. In other words, give me a word. Because Jesus, I've seen what you do when you speak a word. And when you speak a word, things happen. When you said Lazarus come forth, even though Lazarus was dead, he had to come forth. When you say go ahead and divide these baskets out, we saw the multiplication of the fish and the loaves. So bid me to give me a word. And he said, come, one word. And that one word was all Peter needed to step out on impossibility and to do what he could not do. And as he walked on the word come, it was the word that allowed him to walk on the water. But when he doubted the word, he began to sink. The Bible says that the waves were already in front of him in Jesus. The waves were were blocking his vision the whole time. It was not he was walking by sight. He was walking by faith. But the word of God was the source. And when you've got the word, you can walk into stuff and walk on top of stuff and walk through some stuff that other folk can't even understand how you're able to do it because you got the Is there anybody here that loves the word of God? Is there anybody that loves the living word of God? Hallelujah. Thank you for the word of God. So you care for your soul by prayer and by studying, memorizing, uh, holding the word of God dear. Listen, read it, read it, read it, read it. But listen, not only read it, but let it read you. This is the only book that you read that can actually read you. It says the word of God. Is important. So not only do we pray, not only do we have the word of God, but here's another one. Solitude. How do you care for your soul? You, you intentionally, we, we intentionally find places of solitude. In other words, places to be still and know that he's God. The psalmist says, be still and know that basically you're not God, that he's God. How, how, how uncomfortable is it to be still. How uncomfortable is it to still the voices that are around you and shut off the phone and turn off the, 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 you know, the stuff, the, the Twitter, st- just stop all of it and just be still. In, in stillness, your soul is fed. In stillness, your soul is fortified. The busyness of life slows down enough for you to be in a position to hear God and to know that he's with you. I encourage you to find the rhythms of solitude so that your soul can be strengthened. It's not all about being busy. Some of us, listen, some of us are being busy to run from ourselves. Some of us are staying busy so that we don't have time to think about how much we don't like our life. So if I can go to this activity and do that activity and do this thing, I can keep my mind off of the fact of how depressed I really am. But can I be still in his presence and allow him to be God and to do what I could not do for myself? So God reminds us then to care for our soul. We need to, we need to pray. We need to read the word of God. We need to learn how to be still. But then there's one more thing that I think will 
really encourage us. And it's found in Psalms 103. The last thing I want to have us read, Psalm 103, David's Psalm here, Psalm 103. David says these words in verse 1 of Psalm 103. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The last way to fortify or to not forget your soul is to make the intentional decision to praise. Many of you say, well, Harvey, you know, when I see you come, you just seem like you're always excited. No, no, no. I make the intentional decision to praise. Why? David says, look, he says, bless the Lord or praise the Lord, my soul, and all of my inmost being praise his holy name. He says, God deserves all of me. Not a little of me, not a portion of me, but he deserves all of my praise, all of my worship, all of my adoration. Why? Because it turns the attention away from me. It turns the attention away from self-centeredness. It puts the attention onto God. Praise, listen, praise turns the attention away from us and it turns the attention to God. He says, praise him with all of my innermost being. You all, I'm not going to give God a portion of my innermost being. I'm going to give God all of my innermost being. I'm going to bless him more than anybody at a Taylor Swift concert. I'm going to bless him more than anybody at a Kid Rock concert. There's an R&B rib thing downtown. I'm going to praise him more than folk listening to Chaka Khan down by the river. I'm going to give God praise because he is the only king. He is the only Lord. He is the only redeemer. He is the only sovereign God. And listen, it is a choice. I grew up in the Baptist church, and I, I never get, uh, uh, on Sundays, they would start playing the music, you know, dun, 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 and people would just start dancing and start shouting, oh! and I say, Mama, what just happened to her? One minute she was sitting quiet, next minute she was just going at it. What happened? And then my mother said, oh, she caught the Holy Ghost. And I said, well, when is she going to throw it back? <laughs> I thought that praise was something you caught. That all of a sudden, oh, well, Harvey must have caught the Holy Spirit. And he's praising. No, 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 no. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me, bless his name. It is an intentional decision. You decided to come here today. Nobody, the Spirit of God didn't take you and put on your clothes for you and put you in your car and make you come here. You decided to come here. And the reason why heaven is pleased is because your decision is to honor him. And heaven smiles on anybody who makes the decision to say, God, I'm going to give you the praise and I'm going to give you the glory. Amen. Now, somebody says, well, pastor, I got it, I got it, but I don't feel like that's me. That's not my personality type. Uh, I'm, I'm not really into that, uh, and so I ain't really with it. So, 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 so give me another reason, if you would, uh, why I need to do all this praise stuff and have my soul. I'm glad you asked. Verse 2, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. That means if you can't praise God just because of who he is, he said, 
just think about the stuff he's done for you. Think about his benefits and then praise the Lord based on his benefits. You got a house. You got a roof over your head. You got clothes on your back. God has been good to you. You got a 401k. Even if it's a 101p, you still got something. Praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Had it not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? Is there anybody in this room that can think about God and then thank God? When you think God, you thank God. When you think about his goodness, you can't help but thank him. Forget not all his benefits. Well, I don't really have that many benefits. So I'm not sure if the praising the Lord is applicable to me. And could you give me another reason that I possibly might want to praise him? I'm glad you asked. Verse 3, who forgives all your sins. You might be flat broke. You might not have a benefit. You might not have nothing. But can I tell you what you do have and what you did have? You had some sins. You were jacked up. You were toe up from the floor up. But God in his mercy and God in his grace and God in his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Is there any Everybody thankful that your sins have been washed. Hallelujah. My sins have been washed away and my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. He's worthy of praise. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, I'm almost done. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if I can praise him because he's worthy, I don't know if I can praise him for the benefits. And I think I'm a pretty good person. So I don't think I've got that many sins. That's one, by the way. This is my last point. And he heals all your diseases. You guys, I think I shared this with you. Several years ago, I was sent home to hospice. I was sent home to die. Something was going on in my body. The doctors could not do anything else. They sent me home in a hospital bed to die. Unable to walk, unable to eat, unable to drink water, being fed by a feeding tube in my stomach. They said, you'll never walk again, even if you live, because the calcium deposits I have, have depleted in your body, even if you do live, which is not going to happen, you will be unable to walk because your bones are too brittle. So when y'all see me on this stage, jumping and shouting, you don't know where I came from. And can I give you a little hint? I'm not the only one in the room that God has done a miracle for. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody in the balcony? Is there anybody on the main floor that God has done something miraculous for you? As I get ready to take my seat, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord 
say so. Is there anybody here that thanks God for his benefits? Is there anybody here that thanks God that your sins are washed away? Is there anybody here that thanks God that he healed you from your diseases? Well, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, bless the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me and all that is within us. Bless, 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 bless his holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Remain standing. Let's pray together. God, you are real and you are worthy of praise intentionally. Without it, God, being some emotional kind of tirade, we, we do this because we are grateful. Our souls are important. We cannot forget them. God, would we remember to care for our soul, to, to pray, to read your word, to be alone with you, to intentionally decide to give you glory even when the situation doesn't look like it. And God, for the person who's here who has not crossed the line of faith, you know who she is. You know who he is. Today, would you speak to their heart? Give them the courage to say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus to help me. And all they have to do, all you have to do, sir, ma'am, young person, is just say, Jesus, I trust you. And this begins the journey for you. Your soul connects now with the Spirit of God. God, I pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, when we leave this place, let's not leave praises in this sanctuary, but let's let praises be all down back road. We might have to today. Let it be God in the mall. Let it be God in the workplace. Let it be at home. Let it be in our cars. Let everything that has breath, God, praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, maybe you're here today and you made a decision to accept Christ. And I encourage you, if you did that uh, in your bulletin, there's just a little tear off here. And it gives us an opportunity to know who you are, to pray for you, to connect with you. Just let us know, hey, you know what? I made a decision to follow Christ and I need someone to follow up with me. And maybe there's a prayer request that you have. We really take these things seriously. So please make sure you give them to any of the, uh, the hosts, the guest service people that are right outside the door. They're also containers. Please do that. But Northridge... Don't forget your soul. God bless you.